Welcome to Breaking Baptist, a podcast where we rethink tradition in light of the Bible. I am your host, Isaac Thibodeau, and I am joined today with my good friend, fellow pastor, Michael Brick. How you doing, man? There was such a pregnant pause there, I thought, am I going to have to remind him of my oh, name no. after all these uh, years? It's just for dramatic effect, my friend. <laughs> okay. I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me, dude. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, man, we're, we're just sitting here. You're enjoying a cup of coffee. I am. I'm not because I'm decaf. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to talk with you today about, um, well, first of all, your story, because we have very similar backgrounds mm-hmm. um, with, you know, fundamentalist Baptist tradition. Um, and then uh, I'd like to, you know, just pick your brain about uh, being open-minded and yeah. thinking outside of our little theological echo chambers and mm-hmm. um, listening, reading uh, people outside of our tradition. Yeah. Yeah. So why don't you share a bit about yourself, uh, you know, who you are, family, and, you know, wherever you want to go from it's there. It's going to be a long one. No, I'm just <laughs> I'll, I'll truncate. Um, so, uh, yeah. Sincerely, in the in the in the interest of abbreviating, uh, my name is Michael Britt. Um, I was raised in a pastor's home. My dad was he was awesome. He was uh, he was a, um, a first generation Christian, and uh, he planted churches in New York. We went to Africa as missionaries. He passed away over there. We came back, joined a church of similar convictions, um, independent Baptist, what, we, what many would call fundamental Baptist. Never ugly about it. No no angry screaming. Our pastor was actually very reserved, you know. Um, my dad was, he was a hollerer, but he wasn't ever angry, you know. They didn't really fit the caricature that a lot of people would, would have in their mind when they think of the independent fundamental Baptist movement uh, in terms of their... Um, you know, their eccentricities or their, you know, behavior, uh, but in terms of um, their doctrine and what I think I'd argue is some theological exclusivity or closed-mindedness. I think I was kind of raised with that, with with the mindset that, you know, what we believe is right, and unfortunately everyone else is allowed to be wrong, and I suppose God still loves them, but, uh, <laughs> but it really just kind of in a, a bubble, an echo chamber, right? Um, and so from there, went to a, a Bible college, the exact same um, denominational tradition, independent, fundamental, maybe even a little bit more strict, right? Where there were a lot of um, guidelines or rules accidentally, but inadvertently exalted to um, near scriptural, right? Almost canonized, right? Um, uh, level. And uh, from there, I joined a church. It was also, again, a very similar denominational tradition. I hope you're sensing the pattern here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Baptist born, Baptist dead, you know, that sort of thing. Um, but, uh, and again, the pastor there is great, awesome guy. Um, we would disagree theologically on a, on, on a few handfuls of things, but again, he's not a bad man at all. Um, from there, I became the pastor of a church in Maine, and I've been the lead pastor there after serving as an, kind of an associate pastor for two or three years. I've been the lead pastor there for seven years. And when I first started pastoring the church, um, I was independent, fundamental Baptist. But then about four years ago, I was plunged into a, a deep depression and skipping all the details of that. Um, I had to rebuild my faith, which was rapidly deconstructing because my faith was not centered on Christ. It was centered on a lot of the... Uh, dressings of my denominational tradition. And when those dressings were shown to be unfounded or uh, ahistorical, um, 
then my whole faith began to fall apart with it. Um, John Steinberg, he was a front man for Hawk Nelson. He recently deconverted and described his deconversion process as kind of like the tugging and unraveling of a sweater. And that's how my, I don't like to use the term deconversion because it's so, it's so popular, you know, but really I, I was deconverting and it was unraveling. But one of the reasons it was unraveling because the threads were not made of real substance, right? I, the thing that was unraveling was a caricature of Christianity. And, um, you know, there's always going to be intellectual obstacles to Christianity. We, our faith is founded on the fact that somebody rose from the dead for heaven's sake, you know, literally for heaven's sake. Um, but, but like, uh, the, the reason I was kind of falling apart was because so much of what I had believed was uh, fundamentally, demonstrably uh, unsound. And so uh, after that began to rebuild, and now what, I think the unfair assumption is that, well, now I don't have any convictions or standards. It's all <laughs> Jesus, you know. Right. But in reality, I find that I have um, quite a few, I suppose for, for the sake of the argument, rigid convictions uh, that are biblically based now as opposed to culturally based, which won't even matter in 50 years or less. Anyways, mm. but that's a little bit about me. I have a wonderful wife, four wonderful children, and uh, we're all breaking Baptist together. <laughs> hey, we, we still have Baptist on the sign, for heaven's right. sake. We're not anti-Baptist. We're still Baptistic. Right. right? But it's just that. Don't baptize babies. <laughs> right, right. Still do not baptize babies. Um, <laughs> though my son was exceptionally young when he trusted Christ, so we, <laughs> we may have to revisit that in the future. I don't know. But uh, but yeah, anyway. So yeah, that's a little bit about, about me. I stand ready to answer any mm. deep, penetrating, and life-changing questions. Awesome, man. Great, great. Well, thank you for sharing that. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, so obviously, you know, um, what with all that, um, in order to really move out of uh, the, the circle of fundamentalism, I had to, uh, what really started it for me, I didn't have like a deconversion quite uh, story like, like you did, but I definitely had some things confront me and really mm -hmm. challenge my mm -hmm. faith um, in, a, in a similar light. And um, it, was, it was hard going through it, but when I came out the other end, I was appreciative of that. Yeah. And I had a stronger faith in Christ and the word and, and I think a, a more healthy sense of what Christianity was. Yes. So, um, who were some people that have really helped shape your uh, more healthy view of Christianity? Oh yeah. Dude, your life? huge. Um, so learning that Christianity was not like based on, based on my Christianity, my, my experience with Christianity, you would have thought it was just invented in the last 50 years, right? Because the things we focused on were so big. And so when I started to free fall, there were some men uh, and women who theologically kind of caught me. One was, I know it's probably going to be heard a lot, and I don't think I mind. Uh, going forward, I think this name is going to be brought up even more and more as someone who really rescued a lot of people from a dark place, was Tim Mackey of The Bible Project. Um, we just kind of turned on one of his YouTube videos, and I thought, wow, this makes sense. And by now, I've watched all the videos, listened to the podcast. I'm a monthly supporter of theirs. I just, I absolutely love the Bible Project Ministry because the way they show it is the Bible is a unified story that leads to Jesus. And um, boy, is that true. It's awesome, right? And then, then kind of like exploring other denominational traditions. Uh, C.S. Lewis put it really well when he talked about like converting, you enter into the foyer, right? Yeah, and you got to pick analogy. a room, you can't stay in the foyer forever. I might argue with him. I think, I don't know, I like to stay one foot in the foyer forever <laughs> because I'm such a second <laughs> guesser. Um, but but um, but no, I, I get it. You kind of got to pick a room. And uh, he picked the wrong room. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> I, that, but, that, but isn't that reminiscent, though, of what I would have been so quick to say, right? Sure. Um, 
So C.S. Lewis basically said there's a lot of different options, and his buddy Tolkien was kind of bummed that uh, he chose a different path. Or it might have been the other way around. Lewis was bummed. No, I think Tolkien was bummed that Lewis chose Anglican when he was a Catholic, you know. And, sure. But they still had fun. They they drank together, spent time together, wrote, you know, it was really cool. Um, so seeing the harmony and the unification of Christianity despite denominational traditions and differences was huge for me. And I'm like, yeah. I was always taught that this equals ecumenicalism, which equals bad. And there's a certain degree of ecumenicalism that can be deleterious to Christianity when you're breaking down the walls of what Jesus actually did and taught. Well, then you don't have ecumenicalism. Then you just have not Christianity. Right. Exactly right. Well said. Um, So Tim Mackey was one. Um, I know this guy's kind of like the bad boy of Christianity and... You know, people can take whatever they want with a grain of salt. Uh, Doug Wilson was big. In fact, Doug Wilson was uh, one of the guys who basically said, um, I am this way because I think I'm right, but I may not be right. And I remember I was actually in a big lot listening to him say that in some podcast or YouTube video. Um, And I thought, that's pretty cool, right? For somebody to just come right out and say, I may not be right, but I believe what I believe. because." And for the longest time, I had made such an idol of certainty that if I even began to explore the possibility that I wasn't right on some issues, it would terrify me. And my faith would right. quiver because that was so tied to my faith itself. Yeah. Um, and so that was that was a, a huge thing. You know, so you have like Tim, you have, and then, you know, Tom Wright, the guy's an Anglican. And, and I'm thinking, the fact that I would ever benefit from somebody who's an Anglican, I didn't even think they were going to heaven, you know? <laughs> and like, and speaking of people who I didn't think were going to heaven, you got um, uh, Bishop Robert Barron. I don't know if you're familiar yeah, with Barron. Uh, yeah, Robert Barron's awesome, awesome, man. Yeah, He's man. great. He and so, again, me sitting here, whereas a decade ago, I would have I just come up and just, and just started shanking myself with a broken toothbrush if I'd ever heard myself talking like this 10 years ago, right? Great. Like, um, I have no experience in prison. I don't know where that came from. But I'm just saying, like, <laughs> like... I would have just I would have just flipped my lid. Now again, I, I guess for me is I'm looking at this and I say, okay, Tom Wright, Bishop Barron, the way I've heard them present is, um, what, what did the scriptures say? Right? Jesus was all he was going on in Matthew. One of his favorite things to say that really got the Pharisees and scribes mad was, haven't you read in the scriptures? Because they made it their entire life goal to read the scriptures, and then let everybody know how much they read the scriptures. And so they would they would get on him and he would say, haven't you read in the scriptures? And so I would I would kind of say to my past self, haven't you read the scriptures? If you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. And I had attached so many conditions to that. And yeah. and yep. and that even if somebody was still kind of getting into heaven by the skin of their teeth, they still weren't the, the good kind of Christian because they hadn't met all the other things. And what I was doing was accidentally transcending Jesus and his authority and making myself the new arbiter of what it meant to be a good Christ follower, whereas I was doing exactly what Jesus said not to do and exactly what Jesus condemned was I had made a bunch of legal loopholes, which Jesus came and unraveled in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And said, yeah, you guys are doing this. All right, great. You're keeping the legality and you're finding all these loopholes. You know, like they wouldn't divorce, they they wouldn't commit adultery on their wives. So they would divorce them for like burning bread or ripping a hole in their socks. And then they would go and be with another woman. And technically it wasn't adultery because technically they divorced their wives. And I was doing all these technicallys. You know, I was keeping all the rules, but my heart was far from God. Uh, it's like in the Old Testament when he said, rend your hearts, not your garments. Mm. Dude, I could have, I had to have a pile of a story high up, rent garments, but my heart was still mine. And um, I wouldn't go as far as to say I was converted when when Christ got a hold of me, but I wouldn't be too surprised to find out that um, 
I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just saying I've been a follower of Jesus, but I didn't really know really Jesus until I started falling apart. Oh, speaking of Tim Mackey, I listened to him preach a series on Matthew uh, when he was at Door of Hope Church. Went online, listened to it. That changed my life. And then I ended up preaching a series in Matthew at my church. Because keep in mind, I was a pastor this whole time, man. I just, um, we lost some of the church, naturally. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, yeah. God is sovereign, and, 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 you know, he, he, and now our church is doing great, you know. Um, but so I, that's just some of the names, you know. I, I, um, I, there's another name I think it's worth mentioning. His name's Tim Berg. Uh, he and I went to college together, and um, he, he did what I would have at the time called just leaving the old paths. But what he was doing was was doing what I try to do now is take an objective, intellectually honest look at the data we have and take a look at Jesus and follow him. And everything else is is secondary, at best secondary. Uh, could be far could be far much farther away than secondary. But um, even though I mocked him then, now I admire him because he had the courage to do what a lot of others don't have the courage to do, which is to look at one's theological positions, denominational traditions, and say, does it jive with the Bible? If it does, great. You got nothing to worry about. There's nothing to be scared of taking another look. Anyways, yeah. I don't want to go on and on. I, I'll yeah, just say yeah. one last thing, if you don't mind. Go ahead, man. Um, uh, Thessalonica was a town where there was a lot of like uh, trade that was brought in by ships and stuff, right? And so I think of this illustration. Thessalonica would have not flourished if they had never let any ships in, right? If they just closed the harbor. Um, they would have exposed themselves to a lot of danger if they just willy-nilly accepted anything, right? So there has to be some kind of customs for a flourishing, profitable town um, that grows and is nourished. And so if you close off the harbors completely, you don't get any information in and all you're stuck with is what you have um, and you begin to decay and rot. Yeah. Uh, echo chamber, right? Or intellectually, if you open the harbors completely and say whatever, well, then you just become, like you mentioned, pluralism. You just believe anything. It's it's, it's, it's just just as intellectually dishonest. It's just open gullibility. And, and we see that a lot today. Um, Christians who profess to be, people who profess to be Christians and say, oh yeah, well, I, I follow Jesus, but... You know, and then they follow all the modern agendas of our culture, and you say, "Well, I I don't know if we can justly say you're following Jesus." You, you know, that's the harbors are always open, but I think intellectually we've got to um, keep those harbors open, but allow a uh, the customs agent to be the Bible, so to speak. It's a weird illustration, but I think of like otherwise you're going to have danger from without, or you're going to have corruption from within and decay from within. So you've got to be careful and hold things in propositional space for a while sometimes. Um, and, and, and chew on them and sometimes say there's nothing for it but to let it sit with me for a while um, and really consider truths. Uh, don't let them in too quick, but don't reject them outright. Think on them and don't be afraid of what you might find out because we should always be running for the truth no matter what that means. I don't mm. know. Anyways. Yeah, that's good. I feel man. like I no, elucidated and rambled a bit, but that's, that's kind of where we're at. Yeah, yeah. So then um, some of... The listeners might be in a position where they're like, okay, I, I don't think I align with the independent fundamentalist Baptists, but where do I fit in? Hmm. What, what would be your advice to them on how to maybe like at least initially figure out, you know, what church should they be a part of or a denomination or sh should they even be thinking that? Like, what? Yeah. Um, 
I would say just stop thinking and continue blindly doing whatever you're doing. No, I'm just joking. Uh, I, I would, I would honestly say, um, really, as trite as this sounds, and and there is a step two. So don't stop after step one. Step one, let the Bible be your guide, right? But step two, let the Bible rightly interpreted be your guide, because everybody says the Bible is their guide, right? Because you can kind of pull whatever denominational preference you want from the Bible. Look, we've got thousands of denominations in America who all say the Bible is their only guide. All right, so then what do we do? Well, I would recommend um, going after people who who really do, in my mind, try to read the Bible from an intellectually honest position and come to unbiased, objective uh, conclusion. Mike Winger is a good one that I think of. He's online. He's got a YouTube channel. He's a pastor. Um, got a podcast as well. And he faces a lot of the hard question. Uh, he's deliberately ecumenical. And when I say deliberately ecumenical, I mean he, he he doesn't take a position staunchly in any denominational preference. He just says, I want the Bible to be my guide. And then he'll take forever looking at you know certain biblical principles or biblical texts, rather, to derive what he believes. And so letting someone else do that research alongside you is sometimes really helpful, especially people who don't have a lot of experience researching the Bible. Um, it, you know... I would say historicity is another thing, right? We don't want to be chronological snobs one way or the other, reject something because it's new or reject something because it's old. But if you look at historicity, you like Christian history, you'll find that a lot of our denominational beliefs and behaviors are very modern, very modern, mm. uh, especially like eschatology. You know, I was really steeped in, you know, pre-trib, pre-mill. And I'm not saying that that's necessarily wrong. I just don't think it's right. And, um, and so... You have a, a number of folks who would never really even take the time to revisit uh, these positions. But if you look in Christian history, these don't exist. They didn't exist until like Darby. And they'll say, well, it existed because this small splinter group said something kind of like this. Come on, let's, that's where being intellectually honest comes into play. You can't just frame something as what you, know, you already believe and read other people's writings through that lens. You've got to read it with the, with the intent of the author in your mind, right? Did they mean to support what you believe? No, no. So, so that's actually caused me to reconsider a lot of positions that I find kind of scary, right? Even down to the roots of how can I be saved? You know, I, I was, I was thinking, man, well, you just pray a prayer and, you know, say the password when you die, like when you die, you get zipped up to heaven and you're at the gates and he'll check and see if you prayed the prayer, you know, and I found out it's certainly a lot more nuanced than that. Right. <laughs> uh, but it's also not by works of, of self-righteousness either. Right? right. There's a balance. And I think, I guess I'll say this. If you arrive at a place where there's tension, that's probably a pretty good place to be. Because if we can like unravel the tension, I think that we're trying to mess with something divine. Uh, we we joke around um, the other pastors of your church and I. We joke around a little bit about the Calvinism Arminianism thing. I historically have leaned. Well, actually, historically, I, I started out as you know Calvinistic and you know all that stuff, uh, and then over the years, kind of leaned a little bit more toward Arminianism and all that. Not Pelagianism, no. For those of you who know what that means, it's it's not that, um, or semi-Pelagianism, but like Arminianism and. Um, and so one might say, well, don't you believe in the sovereignty of God? Yes. Well, you also believe in the free will of man? Yes. And so how can we hold both of those in tension? We just do. And that's not being unscientific. That's not being unsound. That's being honest with the fact that God is, uh, well, his ways are not our ways. And sometimes when we arrive at a conclusion like that, where we don't have it all down pat, that can actually be the healthiest way to be and hold that in propositional space. You can't hold it in propositional space forever. 
I think I think it's healthy to put a tent stake down at some point, but we don't have to rush coming to biblical conclusion. We don't have to rush deciding what we're going to believe for the rest of our life. So grab a Bible. Um, you know, I, I I would recommend one literal translation, one dynamic translation. You know, and and good qualified teachers. And don't be afraid to listen to people who are already outside the thresholds of what you believe. I mentioned Chad Bird to you. The guy's a Lutheran. Um, I'm not a Lutheran. Uh, I think he's more baptismal regeneration than I am. Um, I wouldn't quite cross that line into that, though I have a very strong view of baptism. Um, I can still learn from him. I, I learned tons from him. So anyways, I, yeah. I, I guess if that's, that's good. I, I don't know if I answered your question or danced totally. around it, but um, that's what I'd recommend. It's just is, is don't stop. Don't stop. Mm-hmm. Don't give up just because it's hard. Keep looking. Keep searching. Christians will let you down. That And that's not new. Christianity is not disproven by the fact that people um, abuse their office of pastor, that people um, d- betray the name of Christ with their life. That's literally woven into the history of Christianity. You can read about it in the Bible. People who said, oh, I'm a Christian, and then a decade later, they're out serving Satan. Like This is not this is not cause for deconstruction, the fact that Christianity appears to be falling apart. That's woven right into the very fabric of Christianity since the very beginning. Jesus said it would happen. If yeah. it didn't happen, that would mean that, would mean that Christianity is not true. You know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, a lot of things that used to scare me don't. And now I just say, look, I'm going to love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, and mind. And and the details ultimately, ultimately belong to him. I'll try to wrap my mind around it the best I can. And I've settled on a Baptistic faith today. I don't think that'll change. But when I say I don't think, that means I'm I'm genuinely always willing to um, let the data present itself and I'll follow the truth wherever it goes. Mm. Awesome, man. Thanks for sharing that with us. We really appreciate it. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think, I think that's all. That's yes. It. Yes. Sorry. I, I feel like I rambled like forever. No, I'm so sorry. But thanks point. for having me. I'm so excited about your new podcast. I hope that you make a lot more episodes. I listened to your first one and I was like, man, this is great. Um, he has better podcasting software, better mics and a better voice, um, than I do. Uh, so I think you've got a bright, bright I'm future, <laughs> <laughs> a bright future ahead of you. And, uh, thank you for having me in your lovely home with your lovely family. And, uh, I, I really do bid you, bid you Godspeed for, for this podcast i think it's going to help a lot of people despite the fact that that i'm in it (laughs) (laughs) thanks brother all right guys well thanks for thanks for listening in and uh, until next time